Welcome to the Wonder Women series of the Maker Mom podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I am your host. Every week I bring you two interviews of female non-binary makers of all kinds and some of them are parents and some of them aren't. This week's guests are Monica and Jesse of Ciro Studios. Um, Monica is the maker of the two and Jesse helps out with all of the kind of back-end, behind-the-scenes stuff with, you know, uh, working out how they're going to run the business, uh, social media, that kind of stuff. So it was a super fun interview getting to chat with them both, especially since um, uh, really the business kind of kicked off right at March of this year, March of 2020. Um, and as we all know what happened in March of 2020. So um, I think there's some real learnings there uh, through conversation with them about working through that and uh, still being able to run a business and, and you know, of handcrafted goods um, and plus learning about their journey into making. So Uh, I know you will enjoy the interview just as much as I did. But before we hop on into that, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. So, and I have um, a couple more new ones this week. So thank you so much, Christy of Twisted Twine, Christina B, Jeremy Spies of Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Lauren, Rass File Designs, Sven, uh, Dwarf Sized Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura, Oakley, Oak, uh, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Amy, Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly, Reclaim Living Store, Brandy, Studio, Obey, Kathy, One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued and ongoing support helping me produce two episodes a week uh, with no further ado here is uh, monica and jesse of zero studios uh, there you <laughs> uh, i'm monica mccleary um our business is zero studio we make i mainly make uh handcrafted wood furniture and um, uh, Jesse Duque, I'm Monica's uh, life partner or heartner, as we like to say. A friend actually gave us that that idea. But um, yeah, we're life partners, and I'm also her uh, business partner. So I help her um, just with the administrative, boring stuff uh, that nobody wants to do. Or, you know, if, if she ever needs help with a very large glue up or carrying heavy stuff, you know, anytime she needs an extra set of hands, um, I'm there to help. Um, awesome. Let's, uh, before we kind of get into like what started the business um, and what got started with building furniture and stuff, I want to go back to childhood a little bit and just ask where uh, did each of you grow up? And what things were you interested in as a kid? I'll let Monica go first, but just on a side note, if you hear a slurpy sound, that's our cat drinking water, (laughs) like right behind us. So I don't know if you heard that, but. Um, So I I was born in Branson, Missouri. Um, I grew up moving a lot. My parents divorced when I was very young. Um, I moved to Ohio, back to Branson, to Oklahoma, back to Ohio. (laughs) 
So I went to a lot of different schools um, growing up. <clears throat> and I guess I was pretty nerdy as a kid. <laughs> My interests were mostly like reading, reading a lot of books. Um, I was really into school and learning. Uh, I did band through middle school and high school. <laughs> what instrument did you play? I have to ask since you said band. <laughs> well, I started out uh, in the percussion section playing like snare drum. And then when I went to marching band, I started playing saxophone. I would say as far as like band kid goes, those are probably the cooler end of the spectrum of <laughs> instruments. <laughs> um, and what about you, Jesse? So I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Uh, pretty much uh, spent most of my life there. Um, you know, did school there, went to college there. As a kid, I was also a nerdy and, you know, shy, quiet kid. Um, when I was in middle school, I started playing sports. Uh, so, you know, my main two sports were volleyball and basketball. Um, I was really athletic. I loved it. I uh, played all through middle school and high school. Um, but I was nerdy too. So I was, you know, really into school, you know, uh, getting good grades and doing all the clubs and all that stuff. Um, so I always joke with Monica, I'm like, if we were in high school, like you as the band person and <laughs> me as like the jock, like, would we, would we have been friends? But I think we would have. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I'm more on the uh, spectrum with Monica on the full, like, <laughs> <laughs> quiet, quiet geek side and uh, we'll just say the jocks were not my friends generally in high school um so college or post high school I guess um Jesse you mentioned you went to to college Monica did you go to college as well I ended up not really going to college then and kind of just entering the workforce um I did eventually go back to school for woodworking, which was in 2017. You started in, oh yeah, I guess 2017, yeah. Which was a two-year program. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that would be my main college mm -hmm. <laughs> experience. Yeah, and, and Jesse, what about you? Um, I, uh, yeah, at, right after high school, I went to college. Um, you know, I'm the first in my family to go. My, uh, my parents are not from this country and, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to go to college and they got married really young. Um, so my parents always, you know, emphasize me going to college and getting my education so I did that and, you know, I graduated when I was 21. Um, I actually graduated right before the, like the recession in 2008. So I graduated in 07 from college and just had a really hard time finding work. Um, so I actually had to start like interning, like after I graduated college. Um, and, you know, finally, found full-time work eventually and kind of took it from there. Um, and I actually work in higher education. So um, I feel like now I know a lot about college. <laughs> and when Monica and I met, I was working at a community college in North Carolina and that community college, it's called Haywood Community College. And they have an amazing uh, professional crafts program uh, and they have four areas. They have fiber, woodworking, uh, clay and um, jewelry. And I told Monica about it. And when I met her, I could see how crafty she was. She was so good at just creating things. Like just, I mean, it just came naturally to her. So I told her about the programs 
And initially she thought about fiber. Um, <laughs> she almost went the fiber route. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little <laughs> bit. Well, because I grew up um, sewing and crocheting and like all of that. My granny was a seamstress and she taught me how to sew when I was very little. So I've always loved doing fiber art mm -hmm. things or like making actual usable fiber things. So I strongly consider doing that program, but wood, woodworking has always been something I've been interested in. And it's like a really hard hobby to like try out or mm -hmm. get because it's like pretty unreachable to the average person so when I heard about the program I just thought that was the perfect opportunity to it's something that I could excel at <clears throat> yeah um I did a little bit of uh community college too uh for woodworking and I took advantage of getting to use those tools you know, yeah. everything's pretty expensive when you get into woodworking. So, yeah. Um, what was it about woodworking? I mean, did you experiment with it and stuff before uh, going into that program? Had you kind of done some like DIY type uh, projects and stuff like that that got you interested in it? Well, I think I've just always been good at working with my hands and um, I guess I experimented a little bit with like building random things growing up, you know, like as kind of a kid in the country, like we would just be like trying to build our own tree houses and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was incredibly dangerous, but um, I've just always enjoyed that kind of working. Like I'd rather do something where I'm like working with my hands, like making something physically than the type of work that's like sitting at a computer or something like that. Um, so I just thought maybe woodworking would be something that I could actually do and make a career out of where I could have that kind of work that would be fulfilling to me. Okay. Had you used uh, power tools or anything like that um, before going into the program? Um, no, not really. Not any like big power tools. Like I had used a drill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, I mean, that's probably the most power tool I used before going into the program like any other random building I did like growing up was like with a hammer and nails mm -hmm. <laughs> nothing with tools so I was a little bit intimidated going into that program and like immediately being thrown on like jointers and planers and table saws um, so I was going to ask you about that with the, the craft school, like, were, was there a heavy focus one way or the other of like, um, you know, powered tools versus hand tools, or did you get to get like introduction to both of those there? Uh, I think there was a good mixture and we started out, um, with hand tools like for the first the very first project which was cutting dovetails and we had to like plane the board <clears throat> by hand with a hand plane and then cut the dovetails um, and then after that we started moving on to the power tools uh, i think pretty much in every section like each project we we're using a mixture of hand tools and power tools. Um, the program was really cool in that it was kind of, it was like project-based. So each semester was like a different piece of furniture, basically. Like the first semester was boxes. Um, 
we had to make like an initial box and then like our like actual project box. Um, but the parameters were very open. Like it was kind of whatever you wanted to do with it, you could do with it and whatever tools you wanted to explore using. Um, our teacher was like open and willing to teach us and show us individually how to use each thing. Uh, our class was only 10 yeah, like people, 10. like 10 people. So okay. there was plenty of one-on-one -on -one time to mm -hmm. help people explore whatever areas they were interested in. Okay. Um, what were some of those areas that you were interested in, like getting more focused on? Um, well, I guess probably my favorite parts of the furniture program were doing marketry. Um, so for my first project, the box project, I did a blanket chest with marketry panels on the front of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I really enjoyed doing the marketry and that's something I want to get back into once I kind of acquire all the <laughs> stuff I need to be doing that at home. Um, but I really like the artistic part of it. And it was just really cool learning how to do that. And then the other area I really enjoy is chair making. Um, the chair making semester was probably my favorite part. Um, I just find chairs really interesting and like challenging. So it's like a really fun thing to make for me because I like, I really like projects that take a lot of like concentration and like brain work, I think. <laughs> like if I have to spend hours like thinking about a project and figuring it out, that's what I like. Like I like something that keeps me uh, like thinking really hard about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say so, because they both of those things that you had interest in, I mean, marketry is not easy. Um, <laughs> it's really not easy. You really have to think out the, the pattern and how you're going to do all of the like inlay type work. <laughs> That's why I've gotten into like, I'm much more of a faux marketry girl. Like, let's get the look for it <laughs> without doing like all the hard work behind it. Um, so that's definitely impressive. And then chairs are probably the one of the most difficult pieces to like make and get right. Um, there's just a lot of work that goes into them. So I would definitely say, yeah, I could see how you're drawn to something that's giving you a challenge. Um, so once you, you would have gotten out of the program then in 2019. Okay. So where'd you go from there? Like you get through this awesome program and then now what? Well, about halfway through the program, um, we ended up meeting some people where we are living in Waynesville that um, approached us about working on their coffee shop build. <clears throat> so we took, I took on that project while I was in school, um, probably the last, I don't know, four or five months of school. Yeah, we, um, we met them. This is for Orchard Coffee in Waynesville, North Carolina. We met them in, I think in October, yeah. so around this same time of the year, October of 2018. Um, and, you know, we told them about, we just got to talking and, and Monica shared how she's, you know, doing woodworking and they asked if, you know, she was capable of doing the, the build of their coffee shop. So they're their counter space, the, the cabinets behind the, the service counter, you know, all the tables, uh, built-in benches, um, some shelving. So we just, 
like Monica said, yes, <laughs> I can do it. And we went for it. Um, so we didn't get started on that project until they gave us the green light, which was like January, February yeah. of 2019, which was only last year, but it feels like ages ago. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we took on that project, Monica, I mean, she did the whole thing on her own. Um, whenever she needed my help, I, you know, I helped in the evenings, like after I got off work. On the weekends, like our weekends were dedicated to that project. Um, she had a few of her uh, peers from her uh, college program kind of help her on like the bigger things. Like she worked on the, the countertop was like 16 feet long out of walnut. And it was like an L shape. So it's like, it took, I think, four of us to get it in there from just from the outside to carry it. Yeah, that's a pretty, I mean, that's a dense, <laughs> dense wood to be working with. Did you do the design work too of the space or were you working from like somebody else's like, this is our vision, bring it to life type thing? So they had... He had, he had had an architect draw up uh, a layout for the coffee shop and we worked off of that, but then he decided to like flip the whole thing, like to change the counter from over here to over here and like everything basically flipped around. Um, so we still went off of the like architect's plan of where to place everything, but mm -hmm. uh, the owner and I did like work together. Like I suggested like what woods to use. Mm -hmm. and, uh, let's do like a whitewash finish on this. And let's do, you, you know, like certain aspects of it. I did help with uh, mm -hmm. the design elements and I basically went with like what his initial vision was and then like went from there. Okay. The great thing about that project is um, the coffee shop owners like aesthetics are very similar to Monica's. Um, so the design process worked really well between them because they both have the same type of, you know, just on a personal level, like the aesthetics <laughs> yeah. that like, yeah. they enjoy. Yeah, that definitely can make it easier versus like if you're doing something that you really don't <laughs> dig. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think though that even taking on that project speaks to your uh, <laughs> drive to chase a challenge, right? Because there is definitely a difference between cabinet making, which is a lot of, like what would have had to go into like the counter, you know, the bar, uh, system and the built-ins and stuff versus like fine furniture building like they're different skill sets right you're using those uh, muscle memories in a completely different way so I could see uh, that drive for chasing a challenge there um, I'm totally intrigued though like pricing wise so I mean, this project kind of comes along and you say yes to it. Like, had you ever priced out a project like that size before or something similar before to even get an idea of how to no, get started with that? I, <laughs> um, I actually met with my professor at the school. Um, his name's Brian. And he, he really, really helped me with that project with um, figuring out the pricing, with like figuring out um, like how much wood I had to order. Like he was a, a like incredible resource to have for that. I could not have done it without his help or something that huge for my first time. Um, he used to do furniture making before he was a teacher. So he had experience pricing out like kitchen mm -hmm. jobs, kitchen cabinetry jobs. So he kind of <clears throat> used that same sort of 
model as far as the cabinetry work and then basically we priced out you know the cost of all the materials which was a lot like almost everything was walnut um so the materials cost alone was crazy and <laughs> So you say crazy, like hesitantly, does that mean like the number scared you? Were you scared yeah. they were going to come back and say, no effing way, I'm not paying that? Yeah, it did scare me a little bit because walnut is very expensive and like I have never spent that much money on one thing in my life. So I was like, <laughs> oh, that's a lot. But I mean, for a, a commercial build out, I guess it's probably not a lot you know, mm -hmm. thing, yeah and at the end of the day I mean they got a very sweet deal with us because it's not like they hired a contractor with a you know with a team of people working on all this it was pretty much just Monica right um, so you know that that cut the cost of like additional people working on the project and I didn't my instructor at school told me like basically he would charge if he were taking that project and I didn't charge that amount because I didn't feel like I felt as kind of a newer person like as a student like I maybe wanted to charge um, a little bit less to kind of get started and get my name like I didn't want to be charging an expert amount for the work that I was doing for kind of the first time. So I think um, they definitely got a great deal and great quality work and we got a great learning experience and I think everyone got lots, lots of good things out of the project. <laughs> good. So, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big way to like kick off, you know, a career after <laughs> school. Um, so, I mean, did you, was it easier? I mean, do you jump right into like starting this business together right from there? Well, um, we were still working on the business before we moved, which the, that coffee shop project definitely launched us into the business. So we had a different name when we were in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, we were Zello Wood Design. Um, and then after Monica graduated um, from the program, um, I found a great job opportunity in New Hampshire. So we moved to New Hampshire. And when we moved, we decided to go full on with the business. Uh, we wanted to change our name. Monica felt very strongly about getting a new name and having a fresh start. So that's when we came up with um, Zero Studio. And uh, do you wanna talk about the business in New Hampshire? So, so we moved to New Hampshire last summer, so um, June 2019. And as soon as we got there, we started working on trying to set up the business. We got in touch with a small business mentor, um, Jean, who helped us tremendously. Like we absolutely loved Jean. Um, we worked all of like the fall of 2019, just getting all our ducks in a row, finding a space. Um, you know, getting additional equipment that we needed. And we pretty much launched our business of like March, 2020 in this year. Of course, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> we all know what happened in March, 2020. And, you know, part of our business, like our business, model in New Hampshire was, you know, of course, the, the focus was Monica doing her fine furniture, which is what she got trained <clears> in. But then our other aspect of the business is we found this amazing like workshop space through the help of our small business mentor. 
and it was a really big space and we decided that we also wanted to hold like community woodshop classes where people could come in take a two or three hour class make something like all on their own they they make it with our help um and that was like a big like other portion of our business is we wanted to have that like community relationship with people and, and introduce people to woodworking because as Monica mentioned earlier, it's not the easiest hobby or trade to get into just because it's so expensive and you kind of have to know people to show you how to do it and all that. So we wanted to make it accessible, but we opened our doors in March. We held a few classes like over a couple weekends and then we had to shut our doors to the public because of the pandemic. Um, so yeah, like this year totally like did a 360 on us. Uh, you can just say this year sucks. That is okay. <laughs> like, I think everybody will agree with you that this year sucks. This year totally sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> We did have some silver linings, but yeah, this year has been like, you know, so hard as it has been on most people. So, I mean, I, I love the kind of duality, I guess, of, you know, that business model um, for several reasons, right? Get, uh, helping to give access um, to the craft of woodworking. Um, I'm assuming then like, that area doesn't have like a local like maker space or like co-working type space currently? They actually, they had, the area we were in had a brand new maker space. Um, it was just starting at the same time we were, I think they were just getting off the ground. They were just getting off the ground at the same time. Um, you know, we met the, I guess she was the owner, like the head the of- director the director of that makerspace and we I was going to do some classes for them um but they had to shut mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah we wanted to partner with them as well and you know help them out they help us out just by you know giving us access to you know doing classes there mm -hmm. yeah what can we say <laughs> <laughs> makers do you know lauren of rasp and file designs well if you don't you should definitely go check out her work you can find her on instagram rasp file designs lauren is making all kinds of cool furniture and home decor pieces out of live edge uh, hardwoods and metal bases um, that's not all she does though so you should really go check her out and see what she's up to especially as holiday seasons are coming up and I know all of us makers really enjoy making our own Christmas presents but perhaps you're running out of time so you want to maybe go check out Lauren she's in the DC area so especially those who are close uh, location wise to her so go ahead go check her out at Rasphile Designs on Instagram and let's get back to the episode Hey makers, today's episode is brought to you by Tool Mom and Company, or some of you know her as Tool Mom Bonnie. Uh, she has all kinds of tool-related merchandise of gifts and clothing for all ages and genders available at toolmomstore.com. I have two of the coffee mugs. One says Go Girl, and it has a circular saw with flames coming off the back, which is super sweet. And then the other one is the definition of a tool chick, which just makes you feel kind of badass when you're drinking out of it. So if you are in the market, especially as we're getting close to Christmas, for any tool-related merchandise, be that gifts or clothing, make sure you head on over to toolmomstore.com. And extra bonus, you can receive 20% off at checkout if you use the coupon code MAKERMOM. All right, let's jump back into the episode. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, I think that's awesome about going that route, uh, again, for, uh, you know, additional reasons of, it is not easy to make a livable income off of making handcrafted goods. It's just not, right? It's, um, 
sorry, you just watched my cat like jump onto my back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi, Blaze. This is Blaze, everybody, the one who keeps inter <laughs> interrupting. Um, but it's, so it's not easy. And so there's like where you have to bring in that mentality of like, what else can I do that pairs really well with like my passion to bring in income? you know um and so i think teaching is an excellent way of of going about it um that is also not easy right to be able to transfer knowledge from your brain to somebody else uh especially safely when you're talking about working with especially if you're working with power tools specifically um and yeah the <laughs> pandemic has put a kibosh on a lot of that type of stuff um I, I do, uh, there's a makerspace that's local to me. And so I have taught classes there as well. And all of that came to like, you know, a massive screeching halt in, um, in March. I want to take a little time though, to talk about specifically you as you identify being in that space and teaching and what that provides for a community of people who probably, in addition to the craft of woodworking being not as accessible, specifically not as accessible uh, to women and to uh, members of the queer community. Like, do you see the benefit in that it's you going and teaching these classes and building that space uh, versus walking into a, a, you know, a space who is created by perhaps a white cisgendered straight male and how that can create two very different spaces. Yes, and really part of the reason we wanted to do classes initially, at least me personally, I wanted to offer some like women only or, you know, other, otherly identified mm -hmm. people that didn't feel necessarily comfortable going to a class taught by a 65 year old white man mm -hmm. with a bunch of other 65 year old white men. I mean, it's a very, very male dominated field for sure and I think um, it, it can be very intimidating because a lot of times I've went into spaces and people men will treat me like I know absolutely nothing and in many cases I have more education and knowledge than they do but they just assume because I'm a woman that I must know nothing <laughs> Mm -hmm. and it can be very frustrating and I think like if that's the experiences you've had just going to a lumber store or going to a hardware store like I think that makes people really hesitant to take classes in woodworking or do anything in woodworking because they probably assume they're going to have the same kind of experience mm -hmm. walking to a class like that um so I would really love, I mean, I don't know what capacity we can do classes in here in our new area, but I would still love to continue some sort of work in that area mm -hmm. with offering classes for women or, you know, people in the queer community. Um, and I think it is really important to see women doing these kind of things. Um, just to have representation for other mm -hmm. women out there or young girls that might have an interest in this and might be discouraged because people might tell them, oh, that's a boy thing. Right. And another area that we're also interested in is if we could help um, give people in like low income communities access to woodworking because it's just it's it's very inaccessible if, if you don't know people that are in it already that have the tools um 
And then, you know, if you don't have the funds to purchase your own tools, how will you ever even get to experience that? So there's a lot we would, you know, love to do and we're still trying to figure that out and see how to make that happen. But, you know, these are some of the things we would love to, to do in the near future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the biggest barrier is cost of entry, right? Just, I mean, um, I, I struggled with that for a really long time uh, as that being the, I can't start this business because... I don't, I can't afford to get the tools that, especially coming off of the program I came off of and, you know, having that dream shop where it's like a 16 inch wide jointer, those cost like tens of thousands of dollars (laughs) and, you know, a planer that can take up to like 36 inch wide piece of wood um, and stuff like that. And bandsaw with huge uh, resaw capacity, all of that stuff is what I came from. And for the longest time I told myself I could not start until I could afford X, you know, fill in the blank. Until eventually it became a necessity to make in order to help my mental health well-being. And so then it became, okay, what tools do I have? All right, I have a drill and I have a jigsaw. I'm going to make something with an effing drill and jigsaw. I don't care what it is. I'm going to make it work just to make. So um, I think there is a balance, right, of being able to show like, I think you would, I think you both would understand there is a intrinsic joy to making something, right? And with your own two hands, regardless of how you get there. The tools is just how you get there, but you can still make something with very little tools. Um, And so I want to ask, in-person, awesome, when we can't do in-person right now. How do you pivot to, or have you considered pivoting to, you know, the content creation world and, you know, doing YouTube or doing these things to still show that representation of you being this person who's making and how to make, and and how to do those things? (laughs) We have talked about um, exploring YouTube. Uh, and I think that is something we might experiment with once we have our shop set up here all the way. Um, we bought a house here that has a detached garage that we're in the process of finishing out like it was just bare studs. Mm. Uh, and by here you mean? In Northwest Arkansas, <laughs> where we relocated. <laughs> um, so I think we probably will explore creating YouTube videos. I'm not super comfortable being on camera, but <laughs> I think we'll probably try it out and see what we can do. Um, it's hard. I mean, I would love to be able to do some sort of virtual classes, but it's hard with woodworking because mm-hmm. everyone has any the tools, tools right you know, yeah like it that's another barrier for people to do it virtually um mm-hmm. but hopefully we can explore doing some sort of videos maybe like showing different techniques or mm-hmm. tips something like that that could be useful to others out there what is your hesitancy about you specifically being on camera <laughs> Uh, I'm just shy and I don't, I I don't, I'm not like a great public speaker or, (laughs) you You know, you don't have to talk. You don't have to talk on YouTube. (laughs) There are very, there are quite a few uh, extremely talented makers on, uh, and woodworkers on YouTube that never speak um in their video just throwing that out there so you know it's not a requirement (laughs) um um, and and I and I asked that question truly not to pick on you at all um but to say like 
that was like my mindset, you know, before putting anything up on YouTube and do not mistake me. I do not have like a huge following or anything like that on YouTube, but it, it came down to my, my wife had to say to me, cause I was so nervous and I'd like retake and retake and retake stuff. Cause I wanted it to like be perfect. And she's like, you need to stop thinking and it came off harsh, but I knew what she meant. She's like, you need to stop thinking that a million people are going to see this. Like, let's get real. Like five people are going to see this. <laughs> and so why are you like getting nervous about five people seeing this, you know, and it might be more important that those five people see you mess something up or see it not be perfect in order to inspire them to do something that might be more important. Um, and I am going to push and say, I think it's more important to see you as you present doing this more than it is important for whatever technique you're showing to be perfect. It's important for the, all those queer little girls out there to say, that is something that I can go do. That's, that's I mean, I think that's such a great point, Katie. And, and it's true. We follow other women, including yourself. And by the way, you do have a really good YouTube <laughs> following. It's more than us. We have <laughs> But um, it's, it, it is important because, you know, we see the other, you know, female or non-binary woodworkers out there. And it's, it's awesome to see that, to see that there's more of us doing this. And it's funny you asked this question because we've kind of debated about the content creation part. Mm -hmm. And we sometimes we've not fight, but like, you know, we <laughs> yes, yeah. argue about it because <laughs> I'm willing to videotape Monica, but she's shy. And then she's like, well, why don't you do it? And I'm like, well, I'm not the furniture maker, but <laughs> I'm also shy. We're both like introverted people. You know, we don't like to be on camera. And we did test earlier this year when we just opened Sarah's studio in New Hampshire, we did a Instagram live. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Literally had like less than five friends tune in. <laughs> I, I still have less than five friends tune in when I attempt to live. I'm just going to say live is a mystery to me. Like I still haven't figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people another trick, and this is something I heard from somebody else, and I can't even think of who I heard it from. Um, again, especially with like Instagram stories, even versus just like lives, like forever, I would not talk directly to Instagram stories, right? I'm focused on whatever I'm working on. That's what's showing and I'm speaking because I don't want to be on camera. That's really nerve wracking. And I, and I heard someone say, talk to stories, just like you're telling your best friend or your spouse, or your mom, or whoever that person in your life isn't totally connected with what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, just talk to it like you're sharing, like, this is what's up. This is what I'm doing. And when you can do that, when you can just pretend that that phone or that camera is just somebody that you're really jazzed to tell this to, it becomes less nerve-wracking. Like if you can give that a persona, that's somebody that you aren't shy around, then that helps get over that shyness. And I think it makes a world of difference. And I have pushed other makers who are extremely shy and introverted to put themselves on camera because people want to know you. They want to know you. It's the truth, right? That's the only way you're going to see growth and see potential for making an income from content is people getting to know you. There's an ugly side to that. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> right? There's been some really bad things, especially on YouTube, that has been put in like my comments, but you that's the less than 1% of mm -hmm. people out there. You know, and so you have to just start thinking who whose life can I change just by them happening to stumble across seeing me do this. And I agree with you. I love that you guys said lower income, too. And that is harder with digital. <laughs> to your point, Monica, right, that barrier of getting those tools is still definitely harder. Um, that's why maybe even stretching yourselves to like I said, what tools do I have around? 
And that doesn't have to be that 16 inch jointer that we all drool and dream over and walk by <laughs> at the trade shows and want, right? It's, it's what do we have that we can make this still work at the price point that we're at? Do you, so you're new to that area, right? When did you guys move to, what part of Arkansas did you say you guys are in now? We're in Rogers, which is in what's known as Northwest Arkansas. Um, okay. It's basically like the Fayetteville metro, Fayetteville, Bentonville metro area. Yeah. Okay. Um, we moved in August. Yeah, two months ago. Are, do you have any connections there, personal connections there? Yeah, so we decided to relocate here um, because my family is down here. They live, most of them live about two hours away. And then I have a few aunts that live in this general area. <clears throat> but my mom and stepdad live like two hours away. And my grandparents um, and we just decided, like with the pandemic and everything changing in the world, that I wanted to move. I've been wanting to move back closer to my family for the past few years. And we really didn't love New Hampshire. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's okay I mean, for you to say that. It's okay for you to share your feelings, Mom. <laughs> While we were there, the people we met were awesome. You know, the community in Hampshire was amazing. Uh, you know, we made some connections with other makers, including that maker space. And I did get to make some, like, really awesome furniture pieces for people. Like, we had some great clients. So, mm -hmm. so we had, I mean, the people there were, were really awesome. And, you know, we made a handful of very close friends, um, you know, just very supportive folks. But like Monica said, with the pandemic, we were like, okay, we don't have family up here. We moved up there for my job. And I, mm -hmm. uh, at my job this year, we started working remotely because of the pandemic. And we continue to work remotely. So I just saw the opportunity to go remote uh, permanently. And, they, you know, they mm -hmm. were fine with that. Um, and that's when we decided to just move to Arkansas. Um, that and we also weren't fans of like the terrible winters up there. Oh, come on. <laughs> winter's not that bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I ask about the, the connection piece because I just, as you guys were talking, just start seeing kind of these connections of groups in, in my brain, you know, of people like um, uh, Tammy of the Girly Shop Teacher, and I'm, I'm missing her name, but uh, Girls Garage, and, um, and then uh, Char Wooden Maven, she's doing a lot with like her community and stuff like that. And I think there's people out there who have already created ways of reaching communities and being able to start providing more access to broader communities. Um, and so it's like, if you can tap into, even if it's not woodworking or maker-based where you're at, if you can tap into that group of people that knows how to gain access and you know I think there's synergies there of like okay how do we get I don't know how do we get a jigsaw into a, a bunch of people's hands that can't necessarily afford that and then create that content to go with it to say here's some projects to do along with that or something along those lines um, I think there's I would say that is one benefit of the pandemic Right, as I do think that we have all understood what connection, how important real connection is, and how do we make that broader and more sustainable. And so I think there's opportunity to tap into that for you guys to go where you want to go. So that leads to the next question. Where are you guys going? What have you talked about? <laughs> where you want to go now that you're 
now that you've relocated, um, you know, closer to family and stuff, what are, what are you hoping to see 2021 bring you? Well, as far as the business, we've kind of changed our <clears throat> business model um, and we're going to switch to focus on more of a line of furniture that I'm working on right now that will include like a few different chairs, a dining table, uh, like a few other pieces that we're hoping to offer um, available on our website to ship anywhere. So we're working on like the logistics of figuring that out and ship in the continental US. For <laughs> yes. <now. laughs> the shipping thing, like really, it's like a different language for us and we're trying to figure out how that works. Yeah. But we want to have like, um, a few set pieces that will be customizable uh, as far as like maybe wood type or um, finish or like the Danish cord stuff that I do, like different mm -hmm. colors and stuff like that. Um, so we wanna have that line available. And then <clears throat> we're also hoping to figure out a way to get involved with um, some charity work here. We've discussed it a little bit. We haven't really found a solid thing that we wanna do, but we definitely wanna find a way to be giving back with our business. Yeah, since, since here in our new location, our workshop is based out of our home, you know, we won't be doing community classes because of that. And it's mm -hmm. like a, a smaller space, but we still want to do something, you know, as we've been talking about, of giving back to the community. Um, I love that you mentioned Wooden or Wood Maven. Um, mm -hmm. She's been working with the community. I saw that she built like small desks for mm -hmm. kids. Uh, doing homeschool and we've talked about doing something like uh, you know something similar not necessarily desk but uh, uh, just partnering with a local organization um, that serves basically kids and low-income families and seeing what their needs are and, and how we can help uh, there so um, you know Doing something for the community is super important for us. Like Monica has, you know, stories about how she has been helped by the community. And it's, you know, definitely something where. Yeah, like I came from a single parent household, you know, we were pretty much always low income on like a one parent, you know, like waitress income. So mm -hmm. I just, that's something that's kind of close to my heart, like helping out families that might be in those kind of situations. I've heard of some programs <clears throat> in the past that help build beds for kids um, of families that maybe can't necessarily afford beds for their kids. You know, like their kid might be sleeping on a mattress or mm -hmm. sleeping on a couch. Or... So that's something I wanna look into but we're going to talk to some places and see like what their needs are and see how we could best help with that and best work with them. Awesome. Well, we are actually at the end of our time together. So I want to give uh, you two a chance to shout out and let people know uh, where they can find you on the interwebs to follow along. And to start seeing uh, Monica do some more on-camera work. Just going to throw that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have our website, zerostudio.com. Zero uh, is C-I-R-R-O studio.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Uh, right now, if you follow us on social media, we're 
we, we don't have a lot of activity going on just because we're in the process of building out our workshop here, um, our home workshop space. So we are posting a few like stories on social media where you can see the progress, but we're hoping to have the workshop set up real soon in the next few weeks and hopefully Monica can start uh, building. Um, and then as far as our website, like there's, we have a lot of images of that Monica has done in the past and recently. We don't have our online shop up yet um, until Monica is able to pump out a few things and work on the collection. Um, but we're hoping by end of the year, we could have, you know, our shop up with some limited stuff and then, you know, fully on next year. Awesome. I have to ask, how did you come up with uh, Zero Studio as, as the name? <laughs> well, we, I was wanting to come up with a name that was like a little bit more uh, all inclusive instead of just being like Monica McCleary Woodworks. Like I want to, because our idea was to be more community involved with the classes and all of that. So I wanted it to feel more of like a studio, like a place where people are coming together and creating. Um, so we were kind of brainstorming different names with studio and <clears throat> I've always kind of liked clouds in the sky and we just thought like Sierra Studio worked because it's like when you kind of take the time to stop and look at the clouds and like appreciate what's around you and like just the happy feeling that like fluffy clouds on like a blue summery day can give you. I like it. I like it. Um, well, thank you both. Monica and Jesse for taking the time to chat with me today and put up with interruptions from furry co-host. <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for reaching out to us and, you know, including us in your community here. Um, you know, we love following you and seeing, you know, what you're posting and the people you're sharing about. We've definitely definitely have learned about other makers through your posts mm -hmm. and podcasts. So thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you're taking the opportunity to follow along with them because I, I really enjoy getting to meet new people through the podcast and then getting to uh, shout them out and share about them because I, I have started to feel more and more like everybody I interview is part of the family. Right. And so it's like I'm rooting on the whole family to succeed. And yeah. I <laughs> no, seeing that community you're building is, is awesome. So thank you so much for this. No, oh, thank you. All right. So again, that was Monica and Jesse of Ciro Studios. I will include the links on how you can follow along with them in the show notes. The best way to find that, easiest way to find that, is if you're listening to the audio of this episode, look at the description in the app and there should be links in there for you to click on. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, just check the description down below and click on one of those links. Um, if you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Um, also, head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, please comment down below. All of that helps the algorithms know that people are enjoying the podcast, and then it will put it out for more people to be able to find it. I would also really appreciate it if uh, you follow along on Instagram. That's just at Maker Mom Podcast. And feel free to share about your favorite episode, what maker you learned about, who's your favorite maker now. Um, you can share in Instagram stories, in your feed. Just make sure you tag at Maker Mom Podcast because I really do enjoy uh, seeing people interact with the podcast and I will go ahead and share that as well when I get that notification. If you would like to become one of the tribe over on Patreon, you can check that out. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com 
forward slash Maker Mom podcast. There's several different tier levels. There's a one, three, five dollar tier level. Um, they all get you access to any additional content. So when things like live interviews come up, uh, you'll get access to that no matter what level you're at. Um, and then they come with different merchandise depending on the level you choose. There's also a $30 a month tier level, and that makes you an official sponsor of the podcast that gets your own little ad spot in each and every episode for the month. Uh, those are limited spots though. In fact, I only have one left. So if that's something you are considering, make sure that you jump on that sooner rather than later so you don't miss out on that. And then lastly, if you would just like some merch, like a Maker Mom podcast t-shirt or a sticker or even possibly a mug, uh, just shoot me a direct message over on Instagram at Maker Mom Podcast and I can make that happen for you. When I am not interviewing or editing and making podcast episodes with other awesome makers, uh, you can find me designing and making furniture and home decor for bold homes over on freemanfurnishings.com and across pretty much all the social media platforms as at Freeman Furnishings. So Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, think that's all of it uh, but come check it out instagram youtube and tiktok's where i am probably the most active you can see uh what projects i'm currently working on all right so it's middle of the week i will see you on friday